I want us all to turn in our Bibles to 2 Timothy. I need everybody to turn to 2 Timothy. Now we're going to continue on in, in our series about fanning the flame, which is based, uh, that, that title is based from 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, when Paul told Timothy, for this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is given to you in the laying on of my hands. Now today's lesson is going to be taken from 2 Timothy. And the title is, comes from, it's kind of weird, 2 Timothy 8, but it's only the last half of 8. It's one of those weird verses that the sentence starts in the middle of a verse, you know, type of a deal. Uh, so halfway there through 8 uh, of chapter 2, when he says, this is my gospel, for which I am uh, in suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. And I've entitled this lesson, God's Unchained Melody. And I asked Mark, can we sing that song, I Hear God Singing to Me, today? Because that first line of that song, you know, I, I hear God singing, and he's saying, everyone should sing along. God has a song. God has this, this melody. And he wants to sing this song to the whole world. It's a song of love. It's a song of hope. It's a song of salvation. And you cannot stop this song. It's unchained. God's unchained melody. Basically, it's the central message that we're going to find almost for the rest of the uh, book of 2 Timothy. And that's why I'm asking everybody to look it up. Because we're going to read a lot of it right now and you're going to get bored if you're not following along with me unless you just have this monstrous uh, imagination because we're going to read chapter 2 verse 8 all the way to chapter 4 verse 8 now since paul told timothy until i come be devoted to the public reading of scripture i think that's a biblical thing to do now because we are 21st century people we have the attention span basically of a six-month-old jack russell terrier right we're not used to reading long passages of scripture so I want you to discipline yourself a little bit. And as I read this, I want to see if you can pick out kind of this central message, this theme that's in there. Paul's going to mention it several times over and over again. Now, remember, what we're reading here is a personal letter from one man to another, person, another man. It's not a man to a church or to a region of churches. It's Paul to Timothy. Now, we know Paul wrote other stuff that's not in the Bible, but for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit said, this one's good, we're, we're preserving this for everyone. There's stuff in here that I want everyone to get. So the Holy Spirit saw fit to, to, to have this one, it, it, it made it into the Bible. There must be a reason. There are specific instructions that are given to Timothy here, very uh, imperative statements over and over again. Because Paul knew there are things here that Timothy was going to need to be faithful and to, to, to be strong. And if Paul, if Timothy needed it to be faithful and strong, maybe we need it to be faithful and strong. We need it to hold on to God's unchained melody, his unchained word. Because while his word is unchained, we can become unchained from it, which is not a good thing. We want to avoid that at all costs. So let's read together. Chapter 2, verse 8. 
through 4, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here's a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. And if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot disown himself. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words, which is of no value. It only ruins those who listen. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Avoid godless chatter because those who indulge in it will just become more and more ungodly. Their teaching will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus who have departed from the truth. They say that the resurrection has already taken place and they destroy the faith of some. Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm. And it's sealed with this inscription, the Lord knows those who are his. And everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and of silver, but of wood and of clay. Some are for special purposes, some are for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will, will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call upon the Lord out of a pure heart. Don't have anything to do with, with foolish and stupid arguments because you know that they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Opponents he must gently instruct in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who is taking them captive to do his will. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of money, boastful. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, lovers of selves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. They're the kind who worm their way into the homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and who are swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposes Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. There are men of depraved mind who, as far as the faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far because, as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. You, however... You know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, persecution, sufferings, the, thing, the kind of things that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from them all. 
In fact, everybody who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and imposters are going to be going from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you've learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you have learned it, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise to salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In the presence of God in Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in the view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season, out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people won't put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they'll gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They'll turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardships. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. The time for my departure is near. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who long for his appearing. You read all of this, and I know it was a long, lot longer than we're used to having in church. Is it hot in here, Tasha? It's hot in here. Reuben, can you? Every morning we show up at 8 a.m. and usually Reuben runs up there and cranks the heat oh, down or the air up or however you say that. But um, amen. I thought it was warm. I thought it was just me. I think the foundation of what all of this is, the, the thesis statement, if you will, the, 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 what, as he's setting it up, it comes back at the very beginning, chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. Remember Jesus Christ, who was raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel, for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. And he says, therefore, therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Now, right after saying that, note what follows. He says basically what? Keep preaching the word. Keep preaching the gospel. Stay true to the scriptures. They're inspired. They're useful. They're meant to help you. Don't get sidetracked with stupid or foolish arguments. Uh, don't, you, 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 when you teach, don't be quarrelsome. Be gentle. There will be times of persecution because you stand up for the truth. There's going to be people who won't put up with sound teaching. They won't like what you say. They'll criticize you for what you say. They're going to want what their itching ears want to hear. But you stay true to the word of God. That's basically a summary of everything we just read. And he says, why? For the sake of the elect. For their sake, I do all of this. For their sake, I'm telling you, Timothy, to do all of this. That they may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. Now this word elect can be confusing. Because the elect, well that's the saved. Well they're already saved. Well they can already say, be saved because as said, 
that they too may obtain, may obtain the salvation. They, they haven't gotten it yet. But he still calls them the elect. And I think what, what Paul's doing here is he is talking about the elect, meaning the saved. But he's talking about a category of people. A position of people. The elect. And Paul is saying, I will do everything I can. And he's mentioned this several other times in writings, all over his, his writings that we find in the New Testament. I do whatever I can to get as many people into the elect as I can. I endure all of this to try to get them into the elect. I am not quarrelsome and get involved in stupid arguments. Why? Because I'm trying to get people into the elect. I stay true to the word. Why? Because I try to get people into the elect. I, if when I get persecuted and I get thrown in prison even or whatever, I endure it. Why? Because I'm trying to get people saved into the elect. And the teaching of God's word is essential to bringing people into the elect. It doesn't happen without God's song. God's unchained melody. You can't get into the elect without it. And again, he says, his word's not chained, right? You can't stop it. You can miss it. I can miss it. Others can miss it. But you can't stop it. It's going. God's melody, God's song, God's message will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. Thousands of years ago, people understood this. Isaiah the prophet said in chapter 55, verses 10 and 11, God's talking here, right? God says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and they don't return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so that it yields seed for the sower and, and, and bread for the, for the eater, so is my word that comes out of my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. God's message is unstoppable. It's like what Kirk was talking about last week when he had the, you know, the flowers up here on stage illustrating God's overall plan and God has a plan. God has this song and you can't stop it. It will happen. The only question is, is do I become a part of it? But it doesn't stop. God will do what he can do. Will I, though, be a part of it? It's kind of like this. You illustrate. Remember back in the Old Testament... You know, we've just been studying Leviticus, but, you know, after the Leviticus time and everything, and they had gotten the law and all of this stuff, and now it comes time, Israelites, we, God's brought us out of Egypt, he's promised us a new home. That's why we call it the promised land, because he's promised them a new home. I'm going to take you in there. The problem is that some other people already live there, and they don't want to give up their lease. So, you got to go in and take it. But God says, don't worry. I got this covered. Look what I did to the mightiest nation on the planet at the time. Egypt. And they get up to the threshold. And they go, I'm scared. No, no, we can't do that. We're, no, 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 no. So what did God do? He said, oh no. My plan is ruined. He says, okay, we're going. Evidently, you're not, so all right. We'll wait for another generation to come up. And so that other generation had to roam around for 40 years until they basically died out. A new generation came up, and they said, okay, now how about you guys? Do you want to join me in this song? Or are you afraid too? Of course, they go on in. 
Because God's plan wasn't going to be stopped. It was just, well, if you're not going to do it, we'll find somebody else to do it. But his plan, it will not be chained. And the question for us and the application for us is obvious, but are we being used by God to sing his song? To spread his word? To teach his message? Or does God have to work around us? Because maybe we're too busy. Or we're too distracted. Or maybe, like the Israelites, we're just too scared. Scared to death. And I know it can be scary. Of course, it was probably scary for them. That wasn't the issue. Being afraid wasn't the issue. Not going with God was the issue. I would imagine, you read all them stories in the Bible about people who did awesome things for God, they were probably pretty scared while they were doing it. That would only be natural to be pretty scared while you're doing it, but you go anyway. God's word is not chained. Will God use me? Will I allow God to use me to spread that word? Will I be a part of that plan? Will I be a part of it? Or does he have to work around me? Many things try to divert the word of God. Many things try to chain the word of God. The number one, and and he mentions it several times in our reading here today, is false teaching. He messes it up. It's kind of like Satan goes, I'm not going to try to stop the word. I can't stop it. What I'll try to do is just mess it up and totally confuse everything. Because I can't just shut it out. That will never work. And he mentions it several times. And understand what he's talking about here in Timothy. I mean, did you pick it up? He's talking about people who are teaching in the name of Jesus. People who are calling themselves disciples of Jesus, calling themselves Christians, but they were teaching a false doctrine. And he says even specifically, they were shipwrecking or destroying other people's faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So if your faith is shipwrecked, well, where does that leave you? And so he says, hey, guys, it, this is, it, these, these teachings can be fatal. We've got to take more seriously sometimes what is truth and what is false. And this modern doctrine, modern philosophy of everything is relative and what's true for you is not necessarily true for me. And There are certain levels that that works, but there are certain levels that doesn't work at all. And with God, that doesn't work at all. Because there's his truth and then there's everything else. We've talked about that several weeks ago. And we've got to understand it. You know what? There is such a thing as false teaching. It's real and it happens by people who are really good people. Who look good and look great and they're nice and they're awesome. And sometimes they're our friends. But that doesn't change it. The farther you get from God's truth. The farther you get from God's word, the more and more ungodly you become. And this only makes sense, right? I mean, how can you stay away from the truth and get more godly? It doesn't, I mean, even logically, that doesn't make sense, right? If I veer from the truth, I become more and more ungodly. And the longer I veer, and I was having several discussions with several different people, so many False doctrines, they didn't come about just overnight. They, they evolved. 
This little falsehood, well, to make that one work, I have to twist this one. To make that one, these work, now I've got to twist this one. Because that doesn't fit this. Hmm, I've got to change it. Until I get way over here. Until sometimes you get to the ultimate extremes. Today is the anniversary, as we all know, I'm sure, of the, the attacks on America. The 9-11 attacks, 15 years ago. To where a group of men, in the name of God, killed four people, shot, just shy of 3,000 people. Who they deemed their enemy simply for no other reason that they've decided, you're my enemy. And in the name of God, they killed them. Now, before we get too arrogant about them and in the name of God, there's been an incredible atrocities that have happened in the name of Jehovah and Jesus Christ. You think back, got to go back a ways to the, the Crusades or the Inquisitions and the thousands upon thousands of people who were killed in the name of God and Jesus. Not so long ago, the, the, the Protestant and Catholic wars in Ireland that, that were, people were killing each other in the name of God and Jesus in our modern history. How does this happen? How does this happen? We, we drift away from God's song with the false teaching. And we get back to it. And now Hopefully we don't wrestle with it here, although in our society we do as well. Right here in America. People, in the name of Jesus, in the name of God, protest and yell and scream vile, hateful things at other people. And you think, how, why, why? Because they, false teachers. False teaching. It's not God and Jesus. It's not that God's song is bad. It's the false teachers. And it happens now. Again, maybe we don't wrestle with that. But we have something we wrestle with all the time. It's not the false theology of the Inquisition. It's the false theology of the acquisition. This false doctrine that says God wants to bless you and give you and prosper you and make you successful and make you rich and is that the very epitome of what my itching ears want to hear? Come on! Give me some of that gospel. God wants me to be rich. We are in unity, Lord. Yeah, and, and we hear this gospel and it sounds so good because it's, it's all about what God's going to do for me. And he's going to do it without expecting anything. I have no responsibility and many Many, thousands are falling for it. And we're tempted to fall for it too if we're not careful, if, if, if we're honest with ourselves. Because man, it sounds so good. Now, Phyllis and I are from Texas. And one thing about Texas is you might have heard, we do things big down there. Including sin and materialism. And I literally am in shock going down there when we visit, and how many multi, multi, multi-million dollar church buildings there are. I'm talking 20, 30, 40, 50 million 
The most expensive one I heard of them was $80 million for church building. A building for crying out. And that don't even count the army of maintenance that you got to do to keep the thing up. When we were in Houston, there was a, a pastor who had two churches on two sides of the town. Houston's a big town. Different sides. He had his own private helicopter to fly him from one service to another. That is not an exaggeration. That is acquisition. That's the gospel of acquisition. And what happens is, and as this is explained to us, because I'm going, what? This doesn't make sense to me. Every two years, I do want to throw this out there. Y'all can do with it what you want. <laughs> Every two years, the church buys the pastor a new BMW. Oh. <laughs> as Paul said, I'm not commanding you. I'm just comparing your faith with that of others. No. <laughs> But, the, but the, the, the mentality, because I don't understand, I go, what? The mentality is, as well, if my church is doing good, if my pastor is, then that's the, that's the church I want to do, because that's what God's going to do for me. Oh, my goodness. And, and I got to admit, yeah, I, I try not to be critical, but I'm kind of critical of that kind of stuff. I am. The gospel of acquisition, I'm, I'm very critical of. Paul says, have nothing to do with them. Now he says, be gentle, okay. Don't be quarrelsome, don't be a jerk. But don't accept it. It's not an option. Actually, it's a false, harmful teaching. It's not God's song, it's bad karaoke. <laughs> kind of sounds like God's song, but it ain't real. I want us to be a part of God's unchained melody, of God's song. Some are opposed. Some people, they say, okay, my job is I oppose false teaching directly, and there is a place for that. But I think for most of us, it's better to just teach the truth. Let the opposition happen, you know, we'll let the people, just teach it, just sing God's song. Just, just sing his song. I'm so encouraged today. It's inspiring, it's encouraging there's about 11 families among us in the Southwood Development uh, neighborhood area. They're having a neighborhood cookout today. Now, they're in different house churches, they're in different ministries, but they said, we're in the same neighborhood, these are all our, our friends here. And so they've all been out inviting, inviting, trying to bring people and meet and greet and everything because they want to reach out. They want to share God's song with their community. So 11 families bonded together and said, hey, we're going to do this. And, and, and by the way, uh, Cody and Dory, we're doing it at your house. But, amen. <laughs> but that whole attitude of like, you know, taking that step, we're, just, we're doing this because we want to meet. We want to we be a part of God's song. I want to share it. I want to meet people. As I shared a few weeks ago, Phyllis and I just moved into a, 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 a new neighborhood. I, I've now been able to say I, I've met Every one of my immediate neighbors, on both sides and across the street and kind of across the street, cattywampus to us, right? I mean, <laughs> to be able to meet them, say hi, introduce myself, da, 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 hey, let's get together, let's have a cookout, let's do this while it's still warm, blah, blah, blah. That's what we need to be doing. How many of you really know your neighbors? How many of you have just gone and just knock on the door? Hey, how you doing? Here's some cookies. Here's some brownies. Here's some banana bread. I don't know. Let's get together. Some do great. Others of us, 
You know, we, you know how our society is, right? Ever since Satan invented the automatic garage door opener, we never see each other. We stay in our cars, we open the door, we get in, we close the door. I think somebody lives there, the lights are on and off occasionally, but I never see people. To get out there, you gotta get out, you gotta go, you gotta meet. You gotta, you gotta just talk to people. You gotta ask people, hey, let's study the Bible. We were sharing about one of our house churches. It's one of our most fruitful house churches uh, with the Santiago's house church. And, well, why is that? What are they doing? They actually ask people, do you want to study the Bible? It's a, it's a, it's a, they, they, people come, they say, hey, you want to get together? Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Sometimes they respond, sometimes they don't. That's not the issue. The issue is, I'm singing God's song. We sing God's song here, and I, and I encourage us all, let's, let's be a part of God's song. And not just here, but all over the world. You know, you got the whole world up there on that map. Some exciting news. Now, you know that we, we, we support European missions. We've been trying for a year and a half to replant the church in Warsaw, Poland. The challenge has been, we've got the church leaders, you know, with the Simmons and stuff, and they've actually been trying to live there, but they can only be there for two months. And then they have to leave, not just Poland, but any EU country. They have to leave for two months. Then they can come back for two months, and they have to leave for two months. Why? Because the church isn't legal. It's not a recognized church. The government won't let them. Sometimes we think, I'm going to preach the gospel, let's just go and preach. You can't always do that. Okay, so, so they, they can't do that, and we've been trying and trying, and then, you know, we've been, been denied legal status, denied legal status. We got a phone call, or an email, rather, Monday, saying, the government has now given the Warsaw Church its legal status. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> now they can get their visas, as well as the mission team. Do you speak Polish? Okay, I know some people have been studying Polish oh, online, I don't know, but, but whatever. But the, but the point is, is God's song is going all over. And you know we got coming up, for, for those of you who are members here on October the 2nd, our special contribution. We do this every year. It is our goal. It's something we pray about, we think about, we talk about, we, we save, we set aside. Whatever we give on a Sunday morning, you take that amount, you multiply it by 10, that's what I'm going to give on October the 2nd. That's our goal. Why? So we can spread the gospel all over the world. So the song is not just an American song. Because I don't think, this is almost blasphemous to son, some, God is not American. He's global. He's worldwide, baby. And he wants it all. And so we give for this purpose, for this reason. It's coming up very, very soon. It's very exciting. I just got word that last Sunday the Munich church gave their special contribution and get, get, were able to, they, they keep some because they're actually a recipient of some of the contribution for mission because they're a missions church but they gave some on their own and contributed to the, the missions pot just over like 30,300 and something dollars US dollars 27,000 euros and go up to 30,000 dollars see we're not the only ones singing but we get to partner with them and it's so encouraging. Why? Because the word of God is unchanged. You can't stop it. It will spread. The question is, is will we be a part of it? 
Or will God say, I got to work around you. I got to find another generation because this one uh, doesn't want to go in and take the land. We want to sing God's song locally. We want to sing God's song globally. Now, in the weeks to come, we're going to dissect all these verses we just read, that long reading. We're going to break it all down. We're going to learn more specifically things about how to be gentle, not quarrelsome. What are stupid arguments? Why should I not get involved in them? All of those types of things we'll talk about to help us be a part of God's song. But today, I want you to make the decision, you know what? I want to be part of God's unchained melody. I want to be a part of the music ministry. Not this one. The one of God's music ministry. His song. I want to I be a part of that. I want to hear it and understand it. As we just sang a few moments ago, I hear God singing and rejoicing. And I love my father's song. I hear God singing. And he's saying, everyone should sing along. Let's join God in his unchained melody.